A hotbed of technology, Asia has massive influence on the cryptocurrency markets. From Chinese miners to regulation in South Korea, knowing the players and what they're up to can be helpful for both enthusiasts and investors. In this episode, we're going to survey the landscape in major Asian countries, check in with the latest crypto news, and toss in some shenanigans and falderall. This is your certificate of authenticity for the bona fide, one and only, not to be duplicated, because why would you want to, license to listen to episode number 88 of the Bad Crypto Podcast. Who's bad? You see, these guys, John Travis, is some bad mother. Shut your mouth. But I'm talking about John Travis. Here we are, number 88 of the Bad Crypto Podcast, the show for the crypto curious, serious, and so forth and so on. Googling stuff so you don't have to. Heard around the world in countries that don't even speak English, but they listen in English. And we're glad that you're here. Welcome. Come on in. Have a sit down. Set a spell with us there, son. Kick back and listen to Bad Crypto. Oh, yeah. You're listening to the smooth sounds of Bad Crypto Radio. I'm Joel Com, taking you into the evening with a Shiba Inu by my side. And Mr. Travis Wright, how are you, sir? I'm doing great. Thank you for asking. <laughs> Oh, well, welcome, folks, and also shout-outs to the show sponsors for this show, the Zilla app, the ICO Marketplace app. Abasa Phillips has some tricks up his sleeve, perhaps to get around, get by, or do without Apple. I don't know what the deal is, but you can check out the information about the app at zla.io forward slash bad. And, Mr. Travis Wright, we have a new sponsor. We do. Now, you guys know... You know, I don't know if you guys have experienced this, but if you've been on exchanges or if you've dealt with any of these crypto companies and you've tried to contact somebody because you've had a customer service issue, you ever experienced that? There's no one there. Nobody home. No reply at all. Yeah. In the words of Bill Collins so and Genesis. True. Yeah. So the whole entire crypto space is full of these tons of expanding, ever-growing companies, but they're all drowning in user requests and support tickets, right? So this is anybody listening? Is anybody out there? <laughs> so this one's sponsor. No, they're not listening. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so Staff Virtual, they are a company that knows that you know how hard it is to uh, for companies to keep up with that growing demand for customer support. So if you are a company in the crypto space, the solution is outsourcing. And uh, it's really the only way to scale as quickly as you need to. I mean, a lot of times these companies are getting 20, 30 million, 50, 100 million dollars doing the ICO, and they got to ramp up and scale up. And you need to scale up quickly. Uh, you need to make sure you get some customer support in there. So Staff Virtual has applied its years of expertise in customer support and has applied it into the cryptocurrency space, Mr. Jolcom. So uh, Staff Virtual, they've been instrumental in crypto coin pre-sales, brand awareness, customer support. So if you are doing an ICO, if you have done an ICO, if you know of anybody who is working on or has worked on an ICO, make the most of it by, you know, working, thinking about your launch and your long-term customer support needs. And you can uh, check that out at staffvirtual.com. Mr. Joel Com. Bad crypto voicemail. You have one new message. Hey, Travis and Joel. This is Kyle from Florida. First time calling in. I've been catching up for a few months and I got to someone's question about making it rain crypto. 
Uh, I had an idea as soon as I heard it to put bits of crypto on the gift cards where you can scratch away to see the private key. Uh, so you still have something physical to make it rain. It might be a stretch when you're making it rain, but when you're, you know, in the places where you make it rain, that's not the first thing to stretch. Stay bad. Thanks for listening and for calling in, Kyle. Good to hear from you. We were wondering when you were going to call. I mean, Travis was just sitting there saying, you know, is Kyle ever going to call from Florida? Kyle doesn't write. He doesn't call. He doesn't text. He's not on the Telegram. I haven't seen him on the Bad Crypto Mastermind. I was, I was quite frankly worried sick. Well, you don't have to worry anymore. Kyle has come home to the Republic of Bad Cryptopia. With a good question, I I love the idea of crypto gift cards. And we've talked previously about one company that has something kind of like that, EtherCards. Ether.cards. It is a uh, like a credit card size card that has a Ethereum um, logo on the front and a scratch off on the back that has the uh, the private key so you can load it up with the public key and say there's some ethereum and i'm i'm assuming you could put any erc20 compatible token on it right i'm not sure about that but i have purchased a couple of these and i actually gave out some ether as a wedding gift back when back when it was worth about i think 150 bucks 200 bucks or something like that and i told them to hodl right? Because that's what you want to do. And they were like, well, okay, because I don't even understand what this is or what it does. And uh, they were pretty excited when it got up to 1500 bucks nearly there. And now it's down now it's at 900 bucks or whatever. So not bad from uh, given the given the gift of ether. So you basically you just uh, take that address or you just as a QR code, you just boop, you scan it. And then I sent it some crypto and then they had that card and they were able to use that and then transfer that over to their own uh, my ether wallet or whatever. So that's a pretty fancy way to uh, Give the gift of crypto. Give the gift of crypto, the gift that should increase in value over time if we're on the right track with this thing. But but it may not. We're not financial advisors, so we don't know. We're not even gift card advisors. I'm definitely not one of those. Unless that advice is that you buy gifts for us and put them on cards. I'm good with <laughs> that. <gonna> <laughs> Uh, Craig Robertson wrote us via the contact form. I don't think it's the same Craig Robertson that was the actor in um, The Office. The hot, tub, the hot Tub Time Machine guy? I don't think it's him. I think it is him. Oh, maybe it it's is. It's so awesome that Craig Robertson, the Hot Tub Time Machine guy, will message us. Thanks, Craig. He's got uh, two questions, actually, two for the price of one. Question one, is it possible for our government or any government to shut down crypto trading, not blockchain technology? It seems like it would be easy for them to do through internet providers. I, I guess they could tell the exchanges that it's illegal and any US-based ones would have to go offline or go offshore. Mm-hmm. And then they could be like China and block certain sites. Uh, but you know, we haven't done that here in the US. We don't we don't block any sites from our citizens here. Most free countries around the world don't block sites. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure what his government is. He didn't actually say where Craig Robinson was from. We we assume Hollywood. Yeah. So the thing is, is I don't know if you had a chance to watch that SEC conversation about crypto the other day. And they're not looking to ban or shut down crypto. They're looking to kind of get their minds around it. And they want crypto to kind of self-regulate itself if possible. And they might do some regulations down the road. But, you know, one thing that I know is that if they tried to shut things down, then I would just use a VPN. Because- Correct. Uh, the second part of his question is saying if if the internet is inaccessible for some reason, would that make it impossible to buy and sell 
goods and services or payments that rely on, you know, crypto and, and all that. And I guess, yeah, if you if you don't have access to bandwidth, then you can't really do anything other than hodl, which is kind of what I'm doing anyway. You know, that's one thing that, that, that some people have talked to us uh, in the past about, like, what happens if like a, an EMP, you know, gets launched on those electronic uh, magnetic pulse bombs or whatever gets launched over the United States and all of our electricity and all of our electronics go down. Yeah, we would all pretty much be hosed. Uh, if that happens, I have, you know, I, I, through the years, I've collected silver and gold. I think that it's probably a good idea anytime that you're investing stuff to not just hold one asset class. Uh, I would also say that I'm not a financial advisor, but if you're putting all your eggs in one basket, probably not a good idea. So maybe you might want to diversify a little bit and diversify is a real world. It's not one of those words like Joel will just add a fi to something. So diversify is a real word. Silver and gold, silver and gold. Everyone Thanks, Burl Ives. wishes for silver and gold. You know what that was from? I don't know. Burl Ives sung it, though. I know that. Yeah, Burl Ives sang it. Wasn't it Yukon J. Cornelius in Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, the Rankin Bass um, Christmas classic? Wow, you have way too much knowledge about that. You are busting out all kinds of levels of information on that. Boom. Speaking of information, we got some in this week's news. Some people come down hard on Charlie Lee because he sold his Litecoin somewhere in the 300s. And also because he doesn't like actively market like coin to the degree that some people would prefer he does. And, and frankly, I have no problem with either of those things. What do you think? Well, I mean, he looked at it from a different lens. He thought that every time he said something or every time he went on a news site or anytime he did any of that stuff, then Litecoin would do a little something, something. And he did not like to be the face of the company that he built, which is kind of weird. But he did get out at the all-time high, so he is not hurting. So he got out of like three, what three seventy yeah, or something? Was that was that the all-time yeah, high? I don't really feel sorry for him because then it went down to like one something, and so he probably bought a bunch back. But yeah, who knows? but it's over two hundred uh, again, isn't it? And I'm and I'm hodling, I'm hodling. And uh, Satoshi Light is Charlie on Twitter, and he tweeted uh, just this week: one down, three to go. Uh, and so the four check boxes on here are merchant processor popular online wallet, goods trading platform, and one huge unexpected surprise. So apparently the uh, merchant processor deal has been done uh, with Commerce CB, and that's the the one down. That is Coinbase Commerce, Mr. Joel Com. You can actually go to that at commerce.coinbase.com. So this basically is an easy way for your business to start accepting cryptocurrency payments. So it is commerce.coinbase.com. Pretty yeah, handy. And that's not the only Coinbase story we have. Apparently from Investopedia, uh, Nathan Reif writes on February 8th that Coinbase is going to integrate SegWit, which should, uh, in theory, mean faster transactions and lower fees. Because what do people complain about when it comes to Bitcoin? Well, what does Roger Ver complain about? He, he complains about high transaction fees slow transactions, et cetera, et cetera. And so in theory, SegWit sort of clears up that a little bit, right? So it allows for faster transactions, lower fees, and maybe even more transactions per day. Perhaps so. So uh, we'll, you know, we'll see what really happens. But, uh, you know, I would imagine that 
um, implementing this is it's got to be a good thing. I mean, because none of this stuff is taken lightly, right? The changes to technology aren't like, well, let's try and see what happens. They're kind of in a test environment where they feel like, you know, we think we know how this is going to impact, you know, the crypto space. And, and hopefully these decisions are wise. Yeah. And actually, speaking of Coinbase, if you have not made your dipped your toe into the crypto space yet, we have a an affiliate code. You can actually go to badco.in forward slash Coinbase. And when you uh, purchase your first $100 of crypto, you get an extra $10 and uh, bad crypto gets $10 as well. So if you have not uh, dumped, jumped in onto the crypto space and you're just listening one of these days, you may want to do that, and uh, that's a good link for you. Here's some cool news that just came in. I did not know this about the state of Wyoming here in these United States of America, um, but the Wyoming House of Representatives just passed two blockchain bills that are extremely blockchain friendly. In fact, got a press release that we'll link to in the show notes that said that this would make Wyoming the U.S. hub for blockchain innovation and the leading state for the cryptographic technology boom. Now, I'm in Colorado and Wyoming is my neighbor to the north. And um, you're my neighbor to the east, Mr. Travis, right? Well, technically not because I'm in Missouri. So Kansas is a state between us. We're, we're all but neighbors, Wyoming, though. We're all we're all neighbors, sure. I I will. Yeah. So there's this Wyoming Blockchain Coalition. This passed the Wyoming House of Representatives unanimously, sixty to zero, and they have five different proposed blockchain bills that have been supported nearly unanimously in the state. And Governor Matt Mead, uh, he also said that there's a lot of support for additional uh, blockchain efforts when he had his uh, state of the state of the state speech the other day the state of the state so there's five bills one is the bitcoin bill uh that's going to move on to the senate so it passed the house it's moving on to the senate there's a utility token bill a blockchain filings bill a series llc bill and a crypto property tax exemption bill so it looks like wyoming might become one of the more friendly states in the union uh when it comes to crypto and most likely more companies if these bills pass more companies may go to wyoming to start their business. I'm just a bill. Yes, I'm only a bill. Going to Wyoming Capitol Hill. And I'm off to buy me some Bitcoin. So check this out, though. Wyoming, they have some pretty awesome attributes, man. They have zero income taxes, low cost of living. They have great fiber optic bandwidth, cheap power, and strict privacy laws for the Wyoming uh, domiciled LLC. So that is is pretty pretty fascinating. The they just said a lot of my magic favorite words. Have you ever driven through Wyoming? Wyoming's pretty beautiful, but they get some massive amounts of snow. Don't they? And wind, the wind that blows through Wyoming. I mean, Oklahoma's got the song, you know, about the winds whipping across the plains. Wyoming's wind makes Oklahoma wind look like. Oh, my gosh. It sounds to me like opportunity. We should We should have Wyoming wind Bitcoin mines. You know what? I'm digging it. So worth checking out. And now from Wyoming to the other side of the world for our feature segment, let's go to Asia. And we're around the world in just a matter of seconds. Really, it just took one little musical interlude for us to go from Wyoming to Asia. And here we are in South Korea. And I've never been. And it looks pretty awesome, Mr. Travis, right? South Korea. Is, I've never been to South Korea yet either. 
Um, I've never been to North Korea either, Mr. Joel Comp. So I've, you I, haven't I, been invited to uh, cross the DMZ and, and check out the... You know uh, what? I was almost Olympics. invited to go to South Korea for the Olympics with Huawei, but uh, was not. Somebody cooler was invited. I'm sure that blockchain will be bringing us to uh, many of these Asian countries, maybe even this year. But we've got a, a number of stories. We're actually we're going to visit uh, South Korea, China, uh, Japan, and the Philippines. And it's not going to be exhaustive in that there's more links in the show notes, but we're just going to talk a little bit about some of the more interesting things, interesting for us, that we see going on in these countries. So, um, you know, those of us that are in this hemisphere have a good idea what's going on on the other side of the world. Uh, the first story is from CNBC that South Korea is saying they're going to crack down on what they call illegal and unfair cryptocurrency trading. Unfair. Ooh, yeah. Not fair. They actually had a petition of over 280,000 signatures that was sent to the presidential blue house. Now, if you recall um, earlier in the year, they, they about a month were, ago. Yeah, about a month ago, yeah, they were talking about, you know, shutting down some crypto stuff. But right before that happened, some of the government officials actually sold all of their stuff beforehand. And South Korea, they don't play. You know, if something goes down they don't like, they they will write signatures. And uh, they, they will write their signatures on paper and they will, they, you know, and actually if they, and if they have a certain amount of them, then the government has to talk about it or something. So they are looking for ways to uh, to not ban uh, cryptocurrency trading, and uh, they're looking for a way to uh, to make sure that uh, they find ways to tax it and, and whatnot. So I think it's still one of those things where they're trying to go through and figure out uh, regulation on this. A lot of countries are trying to figure this stuff out. Well, you know, what they did do is they banned anonymous bank accounts in January, but they don't intend to shut down domestic exchanges. And, you know, I have no problem with um, them banning the anonymous bank accounts because it just it, it further squashes this idea that it's you know drug money right and illegal and illicit goods that are being purchased with cryptocurrency because we know now that that is just such a small piece of the equation and they're also looking for ways to tax cryptocurrencies of course they are because that's what governments do how do we get more of your money mm-hmm. now here's a Forbes article. And um, this is another thing that South Korea did is they are banning all foreigners from trading cryptocurrencies. Now, that's always been one thing that's been interesting about crypto in South Korea is that there's always these arbitrage opportunities because it seems to me that, you know, in some cases, Bitcoin is always maybe $1,000 or even more in some cases more expensive in South Korea. And so... I, I would. I, it looks to me like they're trying to potentially find ways to avoid any potential foreigner arbitrage. Is that what you got from this? I did, and in, in particular, China. So there's a blockchain OS startup that is backed by Chinese investors, and and they have flooded the cryptocurrency market um, ever since China banned crypto. And mm. so coins from China are entering the Korean exchanges and then they uh, are changed back into foreign currencies back to China illegally. And it makes it really hard for them to identify what's going on and where it's going to China or whatever other foreign currency they're using to hide, you know, what this is. And so with the, the system they have now, 
foreigners and minors, you know, those that aren't of age, can't make investments unless there's a real name on the bank account. And mm. so uh, I guess, you know, that could be a step in the right direction. Yep. And this case came out 10 hours ago on Cointelegraph. South Korea's cryptocurrency exchanges made $648 million of taxable revenue in 2017. That's not a small sum at all, Mr. Jolcom. That's nothing to sneeze at at all. That's a significant amount of money. So hopefully South Korea, you know, is progressive as they are technologically. Um, hopefully their government will remain progressive where crypto is concerned because uh, they're our friends over there. And, you know, we like when they like what we like. Opa Gundam style. <laughs> yeah, we, we took that export, right? All right. So speaking about China, we were chatting about that a little bit when we were talking about South Korea. So China has just had their happy new year, right? So it is now the Chinese new year. It is Woof. now, what is it? The year of the dog? Woof. Year of the doge? Woof. The year of the doge. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, last year was the year of the rooster, but that is irrelevant. <laughs> but, but what's interesting, if you've seen these last five years in the crypto, crypto space, crypto seems to take a dip. In in late January, early February, it's always seemed to have this dip, and and so some people say that it's it's kind of um, in China, it is what uh, superstitious. They so they don't like to spend a lot of money or do a lot of stuff around money in that first part of the year. So maybe that's why crypto has taken a dip in those different times. So it's kind of interesting to see if that's something that generally plays in on the crypto market or not, and. Uh, but it, it happened again this year, right around the same time that it's happened over the last five years. It does seem to be a pattern. And if you look at the crypto charts right now, as of this recording, we're sitting around a, a you know, 500 billion market cap. Bitcoin is at 11,500. I mean, what did it get down to? Like 6,000 or so during that yeah. last sell off and dip. And, uh, you know, for those of us who have hodled, um, it's, it's on its way back. And uh, maybe the Chinese will be, you know, uh, over their superstition and, and buying or past the superstition and, and buying back in again. Uh, we shall see if it is indeed going to be a happy Chinese New Year, because there are some things going on in China that aren't favorable towards Bitcoin, especially um, in Bitcoin mining. They are shutting down Bitcoin miners. They're cracking down on on this. and. You know, it's hard to tell when you read these stories on Forbes, which is, of course, the Western publication, if it's all completely accurate. But it does seem to be based around the fact that it uh, uses a lot of electricity to mine Bitcoin and that uh, there's this control issue uh, coming from China's central bank. Yeah, so they're going to limit the amount of electricity that some of the Bitcoin miners can use. And because they've said that there has been quite a bit of electricity. So Bitcoin mining estimated to use about four gigawatts of electricity, uh, which is equivalent to three nuclear reactors production levels. <laughs> say nuclear. 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 What I say? Nuclear. Nuclear. No. <laughs> nuclear. I mean, nuclear. Remember, remember when George W. Bush would be <laughs> talking about God, get that there. Nu nuclear. It's not nuclear. It's nuclear. Why is nuclear. that word so hard for people? Nuclear. Nuclear. Yeah. Nuclear. I just went <laughs> nuclear on you. You just went nuclear on me. Don't be going nuclear. <laughs> so uh, China's China's central bank, you know, they have met 
uh, on the, the Bitcoin mining issue. It's one of those things. Is it an energy issue? Is it a control issue? Uh, is it about it, criminal it, activity? You know, because the Chinese state mm-hmm. doesn't want, you know, criminal activity going on. So um, regulation, I, I just don't know how regulation stops criminal activity. I just, that's never made sense to me. Something's illegal and now criminals are not going to do it. it. Criminals live off of what's illegal. Right. Now, if you look historically, what happened when you made alcohol illegal? Well, you created a black market for it and there was the prohibition and they were, that, that's where the mob basically came in, right? You make marijuana illegal, what happens? Well, now you have this huge, you know, war on drugs. Well, guess what? All these big criminal drug cartels got really rich and powerful. What happened whenever they made abortion illegal? Well, they were doing it in back alleys, right? What happens if you make guns illegal? Well, there's going to be a black market and it's going to be worse, right? And so, I mean, when you create a war on something, uh, it creates it, it creates more of what you're trying to eliminate. So focus on what you want, right? It's, it's like you want healthy, you want wellness, right? You don't want like with, with that war on drugs, you want people to be healthy and happy. You don't want them to be on drugs. So uh, they just kind of name them wrong and they go about it in the wrong way. And it creates this black market most of the time, which is which is no good. Do you think you really think that cryptocurrencies are going to get squashed in China because the, the cat's been out of the bag. They're going to find a way to make it happen because a lot of them have, have you know, uh, family in different countries or different places, and they're going to work through them and connect. And ha- I'll send this to you. You send this to me. There's always a way to work around. And especially when you have Tor and you have the, the, you know, you have the dark web and you have all these other, you have private cryptocurrencies like Monero and Verge and Pivx and Zcash, right? So if there's a will, there is a way, Mr. Joel Com. It's not the year of the cat, though, for it to get out of the bag. It's the year of the dog. Mm-hmm. And and trivia points, uh, who did the song, Year of the Cat? No idea. Oh, Mr. Travis Wright. That would have been Al Stewart. Okay. Year of the Cat. Uh, so can, who, did, jump- who did Cat Scratch Fever? I know that one. Yeah, yeah the Nuge. The Nuge. The Nuge, yeah. So let's jump from uh, China now over to the Philippines. I know it's Philippines. And uh, this story came out actually late last year on Bitcoin.com, and that is that the Philippines are going to legalize Bitcoin as a security. Uh, boy, that guy over there, El, El Presidente of uh, the Philippines, okay, yeah. he's quite a character, isn't he? You know, I've been to the Philippines a couple of times, and I really enjoy the country. Some of those islands are just unbelievably beautiful. The 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 citizens there are so friendly. Like it's amazing how nice and friendly the folks are there. So, you know, I'm glad to see that they're they're looking at crypto in a positive light. They are looking to well, they want to figure out how to regulate it. Uh, they wanted to have legalization around it. And uh, they were doing some consulting around the legal bank. But uh, you know, they've they've been thinking about uh crypto for a long time and they're actually their their most popular uh, wallet and crypto site. Their Coinbase over there is Coins.ph, and so that's one of their that's one of their top uh, platforms over there. So there are a few companies out there that have been registered and and endorsed by the Banco Central in Filipinos, which is the BSP over there, and uh, so they are working on keeping an open minded approach to this uh, financial technology and uh, keeping the innovations going. So they're not squashing technology there in the Philippines. One thing I like about the Philippines, Mr. Jolcom, one U.S. dollar is currently worth 52 of theirs. 
Wow. So you can go there and live like a king, and that is not even a joke. Coins is the website. And they're also, not only are they Bitcoin friendly over there in the Philippines, but they are developing regulation around trading and around ICOs. So, of course, the goal stated by the Philippines SEC is protect investors and reduce the risk of fraud. Uh, things that I believe any common sense thinking person would be for, right? We want to protect investors mm -hmm. and we want there to be less fraud so that we can have forms of currency that can be traded and, uh, and used on the open and free market for the benefit of all. And, you know, the Philippines, there's a lot of poor people there and, you know, crypto for, for the poor, for those that are unbanked, um, those that don't deal with the system that we use with these ridiculous rates and no interest and, you know, they need this. That's not even a joke, man, because the average person in the Philippines makes on average about two to five U.S. dollars a day. That ain't a lot of uh, of coinage there, Mr. Travis Wright. That is not. And you know what? They are really enjoying the cryptocurrency space. It's it's interesting. I mean, in fact, we have a ton of fans over in the Philippines because there's a lot. Most of the Philippines speak English very, very well. And in fact, that's why you see And that's why Staff Virtual, our sponsor, is actually in the Philippines, is because uh, the folks in the Philippines speak, in some cases, better English than some people down south in the U.S. <laughs> that's, that's not untrue. That is not true. Uh, last little jaunt on our tour of Asia is Japan and finishing with them because they are so pro crypto over there. And I know, Travis, you and I spoke when we last saw each other that uh, Tokyo is on both of our bucket lists to go to the capital of Japan and see that city. And uh, maybe some event in crypto will take us over there in 2018. But uh, they uh, they are very Bitcoin happy over there. That is that is true. They you know, a lot of uh, Bitcoin goes through their exchanges. They they love crypto. In fact, you know, uh, one of the top 10 cryptos in the space is Cardano. And Cardano actually is a, a Japanese created company. Right. And so Japan effectively first and only country that has a proper legal system regulating cryptocurrency trading mm -hmm. right now. Cryptocurrency trading is just the wild, wild west all over. But uh, Japan, they are figuring it out. They have wrapped their minds around it. They are working on making that, uh, you know, a more legitimate industry. And you know what? That's great. I mean, the Japanese are one of the largest foreign exchange investors, and they they like these speculative investments. They they love the cryptos over there. They do. You know, it used to be that the Chinese won accounted for the largest number of Bitcoin out there. But after they imposed these restrictions, that dropped. And now, as of January 15th, the yen accounts for 56% of Bitcoin. And it's followed by US dollars, which accounts for over 28% of the Bitcoin that's out there. So uh, that's why I'm turning Japanese. I think I'm turning Japanese. I really think so. Oh, man. You know what? I'm huge in Japan. Well, it's because I'm a large fellow. You are huge in Japan. There was actually here the the um, the exchange over there. Coincheck had a um, a hack that took place where 425 million U.S. dollars, which accounts to 46 billion yen, 
Um, it was the biggest ever theft of digital money on this exchange. And according to Reuters, they are repaying owners that were hacked that $425 million. I watched part of the press conference with them and you could tell that they were, they were so humbled and they looked as if they had dishonored their families in ways. Right. And they were so just like, wow, they were, uh, those two, uh, founders of that particular exchange coin check, they, they were really, really down. I mean, that's a lot of money and where are they coming up with that money to pay it back? If it's been stolen, uh, that's four, 46 billion yen, $425 million. That is a lot. So I'm not sure how they're going to be able to come up with that and, and be able to pay it back, but that was a pretty, pretty solid gesture of them. So that just goes to show if it's regulated or not regulated, or if you're getting hacked, then you know what? Over there in Japan, they want to make sure that they um, keep their customers happy and they're going to make make it right. They are setting up a self-regulatory body for the cryptocurrency um, industry, according to this story on Nikkei.com. Um, cryptocurrency industry groups in Japan have agreed to merge in an effort to accelerate the establishment of voluntary regulations and regain public trust in the aftermath of a massive virtual currency Heist. So it's going to uh, link the Japan Blockchain Association with the Japan Cryptocurrency Business Association. And, uh, you know, we'll see what impact this has. All I know is that they're incredibly crypto friendly. Um, they're extremely capitalist and they understand that a rising tide lifts all boats. And crypto, it wants to be free, yo. It does. And you know what? I, how fun would it be to go to Tokyo, Mr. Joel Com? And uh, and if and if we do go, we have to go to Kyoto. Did you see the episode? Speaking of uh, a better late than never, did you see that when they went to Japan yeah. and then they took the the bulls? Oh my god, that was the, that was one of the funniest episodes, man. I tell you what, Terry Bradshaw, that dude is a clown. And and Shatner, you know, he's in his eighties, and they're always joking about, you know, he can kick off <laughs> any moment. Uh, but it's it's so fun. Uh, we are not financial advisors, but we are TV show advisors. Yeah, right, right. We are that. One one final piece of news out of Japan, uh, Japan's finance watchdog, they're going to inspect 15 unlicensed crypto exchanges. So as a result of the CoinCheck exchange losing all those NEM tokens, you know, now they're going in and they are going to inspect all of those different crypto exchanges. And there are so many crypto exchanges all over the world, Mr. Joel Kahn. Um, You know what? I think that Japan will become a maybe – a beacon of truth to kind of maybe uh, create the um, the playbook for other countries on how they might want to start, uh, you know, managing and regulating some of the stuff going on in the space, because it is for sure the wild, wild west out here. Domo arigato, Mr. Travbot3000. Appreciate that. And uh, all of these stories are linked in the show notes at badcryptopodcast.com. Of course, you could always find a show easily by going to badco.in forward slash and the episode number. In this case, it would be 088. See how easy that is? Anybody can do that. We make it so easy, Mr. Joel Kahn. We do because we love our uh, our listeners and our fans. And thanks to all of you for joining us for this riveting episode and this tour de force of uh, of Asia. We're now going to get back on our virtual plane and head back to these United States of America. And uh, we'll catch you guys on the next round. Be sure to please subscribe and review. Uh, in fact, 
it's so important, especially on iTunes. If you're on iOS, those reviews are so important in order to have the show exposed to others. So if you haven't done it, please take a moment to go there. And uh, it's a way of saying thanks to Travis and myself for the content that we put out. If you'll just go and rate and review the show and whatever platform you listen to, um, somewhere a kitten will smile. And it helps ensure that we all stay bad. I want to stay bad! Who's bad? The Bad Crypto Podcast is a production of Bad Crypto, LLC. The content of the show, the videos, and the website is provided for educational, informational, and entertainment purposes only. It's not intended to be and does not constitute financial, investment, or trading advice of any kind. You shouldn't make any decisions as to finances, investing, trading, or anything else based on this information without undertaking independent due diligence and consultation with a professional financial advisor. Please understand that the trading of Bitcoin's and alternative cryptocurrencies have potential risks involved. Anyone wishing to invest in any of the currencies or tokens mentioned on this podcast should first seek their own independent professional financial advisor.